let's face it, most of us have traveled a very different path to get to where we are today professionally. Talk West is a podcast hosted by me, Derek Ross, and Michael Manganello, also known as Mango, that delivers real conversations with people who just so happen to be business professionals as they share their journey and how it shaped their career path. These conversations are designed to connect us and provide valuable insights and knowledge on how we can continue to grow personally and professionally in our lives and careers. A business professional is part of who we are, but it's not all of who we are. And those are the stories we'll be sharing and the conversations we'll be delivering on the Talk West podcast. So join us as we go beyond the LinkedIn profile and get to know our guests a little bit better. We are excited to have Karen Aubrey with us today. She is our CEO and I always say it's important and it's it's an honor when you get to sit down with someone who has a breadth of experience over three decades in this industry of, you know, mentoring leaders and running organizations. And so when you have the opportunity to sit and learn and glean from someone like Karen, it's always uh, an honor. And so I'm excited about the conversation and what I'll learn. Um, I don't know about you, Mango, but I'm, I'm ready. I'm really ready. And, you know, I, I really want to start before we dig into Karen's history. I did a little digging into uh, she went to school at UNC. And she went to school at UNC during a time that most people might say the most popular player of all time played there. That's Mr. Michael Jordan himself, who my kids are completely obsessed with uh, due to Space Jams. And it's actually the Space Jams because when they introduced Michael B. Jordan, they they got a good laugh out of that. But Karen, I want to ask you, um, give us a quick story of you got to have seen him in college or something that stands out about being at school when MJ was there. Oh, it was a great time to be uh, in Chapel Hill. Um, I think one of the things um, that's interesting about that whole era is actually the year before, which was the 81 team, a terrific team that actually we, we, we beat Indiana in the regular season when we played them. But then when we played them in the uh, NCAA tournament, we lost in 1981. And I don't think anyone really expected with that 82 team, I, I, you know, while it, while it was a great team, no one knew what to expect. And certainly no one knew what to expect of that, that freshman from Wilmington who hit the, the game winner. I mean, nobody knew who Michael Jordan was at that point. And so that's one of those stories of resilience of, 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 of coming back a year later and winning um, and winning it all. And so I, so I love that. It was a fantastic time to be in Chapel Hill. That's so awesome. Since we're on the, the topic of sports, do you have a favorite sport, Karen? Oh, without a doubt, it's basketball. Basketball. And actually, I, I grew up a state fan. Um, I was a huge fan of, of, you know, the state teams that had David Thompson on, who I think, even though I love Michael Jordan, I feel like David was the best ACC college player ever in terms of his career. I was also a huge um, KGAL fan and I would have loved to have been able to go to state and play basketball for KL, but I'm short, slow, and really not that great of a shot. It's something about the energy. Um, I didn't, I played basketball when I was younger, but um, in college I ran track and it's something about, you know, with track, you know, you have a individual sport, but then you also um, have a team dynamic around it. And so, you know, it's, it's always great when you are able to come together for a common goal and really work hard, whether you you win or lose, there's there's always lessons to learn and connections you can make and, and camaraderie and relationship that you built for a long time. And so with that, as we kind of step into transition from sports over to to you, Karen, I always like to 
to talk about like the early years, like when you were growing up and, you know, finding your way in the world, were, what were some of your interests, you know, as a, as a child? What were some of the things that you remember standing out that if you look back kind of were early signs of your leadership qualities? Um, I would say that the sports were definitely a part of that. It wasn't easy to play sports when, when I was growing up because it was before Title IX. And so um, I actually played Little League Baseball with the, with the guys, not because I was good, but because there was really not another, another sport in the little rec community um, in our small you know, hometown where I'm from. So sports and being competitive played a role. I wouldn't, I, so I would say rather than leadership, it's just about competition, you know, and, and, and teamwork and being a part of a team. And I love that. I love that team. You know, I had some friends that from that team when I was, I guess, maybe sixth, seventh grade who were, who, you know, were friends later in high school and stuff like that and good guys. And they were great to me. Um, my parents supported it. My dad coached the team. And so that was definitely something. Um, I was also definitely involved in politics growing up and that gave me a, um, I mean, I think that gave me a worldview and an appreciation for, for, for curiosity and just, just learning. So that was a, that was another interest for me, um, was just being a part of, part of that, a part of those organizations growing up. Awesome. Awesome. So I'm glad you brought that, that part up, um, about, you know, being interested and involved in politics, because I was going to ask you, you know, when looking at when you went to college and you majored in journalism and political science, uh, what was the decision behind that? So when you think about, you know, if we all kind of track back to when we were undergrad, if you did go to college, um, if not, then that's okay too. But, you know, a lot of conversation around um, sometimes what you major in is not necessarily the career that you end up in. And so just curious about uh, your decision to major in journalism and, and political science and how that help to continue to support your view as you moved and transitioned um, into the business world? Well, I was first generation college at UNC Chapel Hill. When I got in, it was a big deal. You know, it's a big deal to go to college. It's a big deal to be able to do that. And so I, like a lot of students going into, into college, you know, I was pre something and I was pre law. That was where I started in, in political science. But you start to find yourself in college. I realized it wasn't going to be pre law for me. And I was looking for another major. And when I looked back at all those organizations that I had been a part of, like the, you know, the teen Democrats or whatever, and the, um, just the different student government, whatever, I had usually been the public relations person. And um, there was not a PR major at Chapel Hill at the time, but there was a school of journalism and advertising. And so I went into the J school and the advertising sequence. That's how I found it. Nice, nice. That's that's definitely encouraging because I think as you, when we talk about journey, right, um, one part of the journey is giving yourself um, the permission to, to shift and to flow um, as you get to know and learn more about yourself. Mango, what, what about you? Did you, was, was that... So yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm really interested. I think we share actually a lot of similar experiences growing up in sports. I think sports kind of helped me learn a lot of that leadership skills and working within a team. I, and my dad was in politics, so he was always meeting people and keeping conversations going and just very personable. So I think we actually share a lot of of how we got to where we are. I, what I'm interested in is how you made that leap from college into, I believe, your first job in McKinney and Media. Right. Because that's another experience where I share of how I got into media and mine probably isn't as exciting. I remember back in the day where they were recruiters and they kind of like they position you where you want to go. And the question they asked me was, 
do you like dealing with people or do you like math? And I said, you know, I like both, but I like math. Okay, you're set for media. And that's kind of like, unfortunately, the, the way that I was kind of was set up for my career. So I'd love to hear if, you, if that's a similar experience of you or how you kind of landed your first role in, in media. Well, similarly, I, I always liked math and research and data. When I started looking for a job, when I got out of school, it was not an easy time to look for a job, but I was looking for something more in research and data and wound up getting an an introduction into the media department at McKinney. And, um, you know, I started at McKinney. I started literally in the mailroom of the media department. So, um, you know, my career, I'm just sort of a classic mailroom to boardroom kind of story. And um, they had a woman who was doing the job in the mailroom, which was at that time sending contracts to media vendors, and she was making a lot of mistakes. So when I walked in, if they thought that I had a chance of, of not messing things up, that's how I got a foot in the door. So that was, that was my first shot. And even though it was, I mean, if you had listed all 117 people who worked at McKinney at the time that I started, I would have been number 117. I mean, there was an agency mailroom that was above me. but. It was a great place to get a foot in the door, and I took the job, even though I probably had opportunities to maybe do a little better somewhere else because it was such a great agency, and I knew if I had it on my resume, it would have been it would be a good thing to have, and boy, was it. And I noticed that one of the accounts you worked on was uh, Bahamas. Were you able ever able to go there and you know to see it in person through McKinney? I, I did, although Mango, you know that they don't often let media people go to clients and present I because we're, we're such we're such dorks. But but they did. I went I went to the Bahamas and um, it was it was I was really nervous. You know, I'm in a suit. We go there that morning to present the plan to the the clients, which also include a lot of the um, the the hotel representatives and 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 other people in there and. As it turns out, we go to the ministry, which is right next to the straw market, and the security guard for the ministry had locked the door and locked himself in the break room or the vending machine room somehow the night before. So we're standing out there with our boards, you know, our agency, all, you know, I mean, just in our suits, everything before that big presentation. But I did get did go for that. So that was that was um, a great experience and a fantastic account. Um, we had a wonderful client and did just some remarkable, remarkable work for that client. Nice, nice. So as you are moving up in McKinney, how did, you know, as you are experiencing, because we say, you know, with your experience, you 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 get more clarity around where you want to see yourself and, and kind of where you want to go next. So in that role and and moving, you know, from the mailroom up into being a part of accounts and, and leading accounts, how did that shape your your focus to stay within the space of uh, of service industries? You know, at McKinney, I would say that um, they were just really great at continuing to give me opportunities. They really did. So when I when I took that job in the mailroom, I asked the the woman who hired me, Janice Hunter. Yeah, you know, I said, please don't hire me if you can't promote me. And um, she was true to her word. She did. I got so many opportunities. There were so many great people there that I worked with. And I mean, Mango, you were there at one point. You know the environment. But um, we worked really hard. I, and and you know, I will just say, we I worked all the time in my twenties. But I, I I wasn't that bright. I mean, I didn't know a lot. But I but I worked really hard. And they never never hesitated to give us opportunities if you were willing to work and so it was that just that those opportunities that that 
that kept the passion going for whatever it was. And then, you know, um, I stayed in media, uh, you know, really enjoyed being in a, in a role that was strategic because it was about where are you investing resources? And so for me, that was a, a, a really interesting part of the business to be, to, to be involved with it. And, and again, you know, we, um, one of the questions I get asked a lot about, um, you know, what's the best career advice you ever got, or maybe the best career move you ever made. And I would say the best career move I ever made was not to move. It was to stay. And so staying at McKinney for, you know, nine years and then going to FGI and staying there until we, uh, merged with Capstrat and staying there after that, you know, just, just staying, um, and getting opportunities where you are, where you have an opportunity to build trust with your colleagues is a, I think a great, you know, great way to build a career. Yeah. I think that's where our, our careers are different because working in New York, I don't know, it's different mentality, you know, especially in media, it was one of those unfortunate things you would make more money going somewhere else. And I got to look back at that, at that mentality and, Yes, I probably should have done things differently, but unfortunately, that was the reality of New York in the time. You're somewhere two to three years. Uh, you're not getting promoted. Somebody else is willing to pay you more money, bigger, better accounts in media. You're going to take it. But that is a good, I mean, funny, I, I came to down here from McKinney, and it was the longest job I've ever had until today. It still is six years, which in advertising, I think is a good amount of time. So, what I would love to hear also transitioning from media to you're talking about Capstrat and all the years you spent there and, and eventually making it to CEO. Did you ever think that that would happen? When was the point in time where you're like, this is something I want to do, right? Just interesting of, you know, lessons learned as you went through that process. Well, never. And if you talk to the people who knew me at McKinney, no one, they, they will be as surprised as anyone other than me that I wound <laughs> up in that role. Um, and that I wound up actually even, even making a transition out of media. And I did that actually in between, um, in, in between McKinney and Capstone. And I did that at FGI where um, they were, uh, it was a very progressive firm. The, the people there were, and the leaders there were very encouraging of me. And they gave me again, opportunities to move. And we, what, how I moved from media into just overall strategy and account management was we had a large, large client uh, at FGI that, you know, we were, we were burning through client leadership on it pretty fast. We had three turnover in about a year, I think. And they came to me and said, hey, you've got a good relationship with the client. A big part of the relationship is around uh, paid media. Um, would you consider running it? And, you know, I there was some risk in it because everybody who was who had run it was had left. But I said I'd give it a shot. And it it gave me that opportunity to grow again. But the CEO role at Capstrat, the, the other thing I would say maybe in between that is one of the things that's been very good in my career is when other people leave, you know, that that move into accounts happened because somebody left. And when I was at, first at Capstrat, I never envisioned CEO quite the opposite. I always saw myself as a good number two. There were other people uh, you know, there ahead of me who I would have anticipated would have been the would have been CEO before me, um, but they left. And I tell them that I'll, I'll, one of them um, is still still a friend. And you know, I say your your departure was probably the best thing that ever happened for my career. And the truth is, the first time that I was approached about being CEO uh, by the uh, shareholders at at Capstrat, I turned them down. I said, I don't think that's me. You know, a, a few weeks later. The uh, then CEO, Ken Udy, we were having a check in and he said, you know, talk a little bit more about why you don't want to do this. And I said, I just don't see myself in that role. 
you know, he said, have you read Good to Great? Well, of course I have. I mean, everybody's read Good to Great. And, um, you know, so he asked me to go back and take a look at that. And he said, you know, I, I think the the vision that you have of what a CEO is, is not necessarily the, the only way to be a CEO. And he encouraged me to to say yes, to take the opportunity and to prepare myself for doing it. So that's what I did. Now, that was back in you know, in 2007 or 2008. And I didn't, I didn't get the job until many years later, but I worked at it. And, um, and I think I would just say that for so many opportunities, particularly for, I guess, particularly for a woman, that sometimes somebody has to tap you on the shoulder and be an advocate for you. And I was really fortunate to have that, you know, at, at, at all the, all the firms that I've worked in, and so that that's how I made that leap. It was not an aspiration. That's incredible. My, I have a question. So the question that I'm thinking now is, how did your view about what a CEO is change from like what you thought about a CEO before you even considered the role for yourself? And then once you got into the the actual position and you started to actually work in the role as CEO, how how different was your perspective on it? prior to and then after? Well, that's an interesting question. I'm not sure I have all the answers for that. I would say that I think going into it, I saw the CEO as much more of a an external role. There was sort of an image that you had to fill with that. You know, when you're in it, you realize it's much more about equipping the people around you and the leaders around you than it is about what you're going to do. The, the hardest part of the job is to get other people to do what you need them to do. So, So I would say that. Um, and I would say I'm still learning in the job, you know, never, never, ever, you know, quit learning and the role continues to change. Awesome. I think a part of that too is, you know, when we move from role to role and opportunity to opportunity, I heard a saying that you don't, you're not starting from scratch. You're just starting over, but you start over with everything that you have learned and you brought to the table. What would you say was maybe some of those key learnings that you learned even back in the in the mailroom at McKinney that were still very powerful and, and, and impactful for you as a CEO? Well, for me, I think um, one, of the, one of the things that I learned from the very beginning is just the value of setting small goals. So you can have these big, big milestones, but, but setting a few small goals. You know, when I, the, the, the first day I started in the mailroom at, at McKinney, I opened eight large duffel bags of mail. Uh, understand I'm, I'm really old when you said three decades. I mean, this is pre-digital. So everybody, it was the, the Monday after Thanksgiving and everybody sent holiday cards. That was the, all I did the first day. And when I left at the end of the day, I said, I am going to get promoted before next Thanksgiving. And, and so that was my first career goal. It was small, but it was, it was the first one. And I've just learned that value of just setting some small milestones that you can, that you can hit you know, and so that you can say you've accomplished, you know, something and doing that with your team. The second thing um, that I would, I would say that, that it's just really been key is, is just the value of your, of your relationships and your network, you know, skills are, your skills are going to need to change. The business is certainly going to change. You're going to have ups and downs, but your your ability to go to your network is is something that it, that is an asset that I think you always need to be mindful of. And I still have, you know, some really, really great relationships from those first years at McKinney. 
they still they still matter, you know. And and so they're while they I don't you know they I mean they matter for a lot of reasons. Sometimes you just need someone to talk to, you know. So I think that's a um, you know second learning is the value of those relationships. So what attracted you to walk west? Hmm. Um, well, I I will tell you this. I have always loved mid-sized, independently owned businesses. I believe that that is where the jobs get created. That's where innovation happens. Those are the organizations that are really doing the work in our in our local communities. So I'm a I'm a big advocate, and I've worked you know for a lot of global clients. I've worked for a global holding company, and I wanted to do that too. But I love mid-sized independently held agencies or firms or you know businesses. And so for me, that's a that's a, a real part of of my why is just working in that environment. And so that was that was one of the things. I think that the second thing is this focus on inclusivity throughout our organization and also in the way that we approach the discipline of marketing and branding. I believe that we can um, be so much more powerful for our clients and and for uh, the brands that we work on before because of that. And then, you know, for me, I mean, it was all about the people. You know, I had the chance to meet, you know, Don and Abba and Christy, you know, um, early on. And so, I mean, for, for me, it was all about that. I remember when um, when I was interviewing for my position at Walk West, and uh, I got a chance to to speak with you prior to, and um, one of the reasons why I said yes was just uh, the connection that um, I had to your story, just you know the similarities that we had in our experience of being entrepreneurs uh, at, at certain points in our careers, you know, working in the agency space, you know, on the onset of our careers, but then also mm-hmm. sharing a passion for sports, but then both attending uh, UNC. And so, you know, connections, like you said, connections matter and, and, and sharing our stories and our experiences really uh, allow you to, to feel comfortable and, and around uh, people when you're meeting them for the first time, because that was our first time meeting. But then also, um, I never had the opportunity prior to to really sit and speak with the CEO. And for me, that was a big, a great experience for me in seeing how a lot of organizations, things trickle from the top down. And so really getting to have a conversation with you and understanding your mission and your vision for Walk West, um, joining on and and your goals really helped me to make a decision on, you know, saying yes, because uh, there were shared visions and shared missions and you being a servant leader and a, and a lot of things that you talked about from the core. So that that was very powerful for, for me just personally. And so um, I wanted to thank you for just being, you know, authentic and, and transparent, just even in our interview, because you didn't have to, but you you did. And that just speaks volumes to you, know, to you are as a person, but also as a leader. Well, thank you. I mean, it, it is always exciting and also humbling to talk to people who are considering coming to work with us, you know, um, because I always say, you know, it's a big deal for us, everybody that we um, bring on the team. But I always recognize that it's a bigger deal for that person when they're talking to us and evaluating because they've got so many options and there's so much potential for what they can do. And you want to make sure that they're they're getting everything they need from us to make the right decision for them. And And I'm glad that you made the decision you made. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I, I wouldn't be here on Talk West without it. <laughs> right. Absolutely. As am I. And that was when me and Derek were talking about, you know, Walk West and rebringing back Talk West. When we look at the core value of what we all share, it's various backgrounds, diversity experience, and truly liking each other and learning more about each other. Because there is more than our just LinkedIn profiles. 
and what we could do on a day to day. Everybody kind of has a story of how they got to it and what they learned to get through it. And your story was was excellent. So thank you for sharing that as well. Well, my pleasure. This has been great. Um, you know, and I will tell you that there's something I read once about about luck, and it's um, it was that luck is not so much what what happens to you, but who happens to you. And I would say that my career, you know, I, I just think, you know, if when I, I tell people who are coming in the business, if they have half the career that I've had, they'll be they'll have a great one because I just feel so fortunate for all the people that I've that I've gotten to work with in my career. And that has really been the story throughout. It's really who's happened to me. And and that goes for the team at Walk West, for you guys and everybody, you know, how much I've learned from everybody. Awesome. I do want to touch on um, one quick thing, because I think it's, a, it's important with um, just the conversation, what we're seeing in the world today, the importance of you know, mental health and just, you know, taking time for yourself. And so as a CEO, when you are, you know, leading an organization and, you know, staff and, you know, your networks and things of that nature, what do you do to unwind and refuel when things get hectic in your schedule? There, there's a lot of different things I do to, to unwind into just that balance. And I, and I would say that balance was not a concept that was very prevalent or in the early part of my career. And I would also say that it's probably easier for me, and I recognize that it's easier for me now than it is for a lot of people who are in their career who have young children or aging parents to care for or anything like that, that, they're, that there's a lot to deal with. But for me, the, the key is, is really more how I start my day. So it's a little bit less about the, the unwind and all of that stuff, but it's more um, and the three Ps, uh, you know, pray, prepare, and perspire. So every day, you know, I start with a, a moment of a moment of reflection, which for me is a, is a devotion. Doesn't have to be. A lot of people meditate or do something like that, but I start with that. And then, um, second thing is just to remake my to do list for the day. For the day, what am I going to do? Prepare for the day. And then the third thing is some sort of activity. It may just be a walk. I've been doing some um, yoga and Pilates to kick off the year, which has been good to kind of stretch out these hours of the chair. But if I do those three things every day, I find that I'm typically gonna gonna be able to handle the stress a little bit better. That's great. That's great. Uh the three P's. The so three P's. Ho- hopefully someone listening may may adopt your, your three P motto and 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 implement that for themselves. And if you do, make sure you you send Karen a message and let her know how it's working for you. So sounds awesome. good. How how do you unwind? Wow. Um I teach Zumba. So for, for me, I get to work out and then I also get to to help others with their health. And then also I love movies. And so just being able to get a good snack and, you know, watch a great movie and just kind of escape for a little bit is always um, um, something for me. And like you said, working out. So getting some good music and just going for a run or going to the gym always helps me to just uh, relax and, and, and really uh, reset, you know, my mind and uh, get me back in tune with um, with what's important. I bet you're a great Zumba teacher. We might need to get you to do one for for Walk West. Hey, I'm all, I'm always down for the cause. <laughs> <laughs> Mango, what about you? What 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 do you do to 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 kind of unwind and reflect, or just to? I uh, well, I realized this actually a lot recently because I didn't do it for a week. It's it's working out for me. That that always gets my mind right. I have to do it any every day, one way or another. If it's going to the gym, if it's going for a run, or if it's going for just a half an hour walk, I realize that it gives me a good mental break. It allows me to kind of just get my body going. And honestly, a lot of like 
as we're like stuck on call, we're really busy during the day. It's hard to be creative when you're doing so many checking off lists. So a lot of the creativity I get are on runs or walks or just being out there that my mind just kind of goes. So it's always been exercise and getting my body going because I can't stand still. I had to stand up that till I, I just can't sit down. They said sitting down is worse than smoking. That's the new thing. <laughs> I got to stand up more. That, 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 that's my yeah. goal, right? Just, just to stand up. I have a standing desk, but yeah, I need to create some more space around it. Well, I took my standing desk into the office and when I'm there, I use it, but I'm not there as much. So I don't, so I need a standing desk, desk both places, but I'm, I'm right there with you on that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, before we wrap up, I um, just wanted to ask if there was any final thoughts that you want to share uh, with the leaders uh, or those who, who will listen and tune into the podcast, you know, who may be aspiring to be a future CEO or who just may want to be that number two and continue to serve in, in their journey as they grow in their careers. Hmm. Um, well, I would, I think, um, just in, you know, in wrapping up, I would say that, um, you know, that everybody's path is different and, um, and, to and to find your, you know, to, to, to really brace, embrace who you are as a leader and be authentic in that, because the worst thing you can do is try to be like somebody else. You've got it. You've got to be, you know, true to yourself in that and find your, your spot. You heard it first. Well, Karen, thank you so much. This has been a pleasure. Always am excited to get to know uh, more about the people I get to work with, but then also hear more about their story. So thank you for, for sharing and for being an inspiration to so many people who will uh, listen. And we just thank you again for taking time out of your day to uh, join us on Talk West. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Talk West podcast. If you like this show, show us some love by pressing the subscribe and follow button on whatever podcast app you're using right now. And if you really like it, how about giving us a rating and review and sharing with your friends as well? Also, if your company is looking for marketing and branding help, Mango, myself, and the rest of the WalkWest team want to hear from you. Visit walkwest.com or send us an email to hello at walkwest.com and we'll set up a time to discuss how we can help. That's all for today. For Mike Manganello, I'm Derek Ross. And we'll see you next time on the Talk West podcast.